0: To me, that's relate. That's relational leadership, is the sacredness. You know, that's one of my pillars of Transforming Ventures is work is sacred. It is where we um, can see, you know, uh, learn who we are and where we need to grow. And through the world that's, you know, being revealed in front of us, it's like, where is my best work in the world? Where can I bring joy to someone else through this work to bring joy to myself
1: welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of the how for her human expansion realized podcast these podcasts are the creative artistry inspired by our weekly gather for her conversations that take place in real time they are the culmination of co-created and harvested wisdom that is palpable during these gatherings around our virtual fire. Our hope is that in a practice of deep listening with us here, you will feel our hands at your back in the journey of realizing your own personal expansion, even each listening experience with a spark that ignites your how.
2: Good morning, everyone. And welcome to season 10, season 10 of gather for her. Uh, I am amazed, I'm thrilled, I'm excited to be here with all of you uh, watching and the circle that is us here at Powerhouse. Um, if this is your first time jumping into Gather for Her, uh, Gather for Her is a Powerhouse Masterclass series exploring what it means to be a relational leader in these unprecedented times of global change. These conversations are offered to illuminate hope, to encourage and possibility, and to challenge you to make the shift from an individuated top-down leadership model to heart-centered and relational. I'm Tina O, oh, and I'm your moderator. I'm an ally. I'm of settler he- heritage. I'm currently living as an uninvited guest on the traditional unceded and ancestral territories of the Skohomish people. I'm grateful to play, to create, and do my best to steward the land where I rest my head here in Nkwelaquam, also known as Bowen Island. And I'm very grateful to be in circle this morning with my co-conversationalists Christina Benti, Charlene Sanjenko, Janet Mohappy Banks, and Sharon Marshall, who's not with us this morning, and our special guest Hillary Sampson. Um, but we, before we jump into that, I just want—if you're new to us—I just want to introduce you to a few things about us: powerhouse champions, relational change makers, and their organizations. We offer hands at your back support as you accelerate the social impact that you're here to make and our impact media producer today i've gathered for her is regen media who invites us to take the power of media into our own hands by supporting stories that heal regenerate uplift and transform every two weeks we're here live on linkedin followed by an hour-long wisdom circle where we unpack with you the concepts that are opened up here these circles are held on our community of practice, which is called the Leader Path, which is available to you for $25 a month. But I'll tell you more about that later. Um, this is a live conversation. And so we would love it if you would introduce yourself to us as um, a listener, a viewer, new to us, You know, over in the chat here on LinkedIn. Say hello, let us know where you're connecting in from with an acknowledgement of gratitude for the lands in which you rest, play and grow. Relational leadership, As we invite you into this conversation we want you to remember that it's a practice it might be awkward at first so come as you are here ask your questions be awkward and let's roll (laughs) and uh before we just jump in i want to welcome because you're seeing a new face here with us uh in season 10 i want to welcome janet mohappy banks new to our gather for her host circle Janet's an executive coach, a conscious leadership trainer, and a facilitator, and she brings her wisdom to our Amplify Leadership Program. And I'm going to let Janet self introduce herself in just a sec. Um, I'm just going to pass over to you, Christina, to just start us off today, and then we'll close
3: on Shard to introduce Hillary. Over to you. Fantastic. Thank you, Tina. Wow. Season 10. It's so interesting because I was thinking about how season one started accidentally and quickly moved into intentional. And so here we are at it intentionally at um, season 10. So I'm super excited. So I am joining you today from a very different time zone and a very different weather pattern. As you can see, if, if you happen to be watching, you can see my shoulders. <laughs> And, uh, but, uh, I am, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here and looking forward to this conversation. And, uh, I am so excited to, to be in circle with these amazing, intelligent, heartfelt, um, wise and, uh, grounded, grounded leaders. So I'm very, very honored to, very honored to be here. And, um, Excited to pass it over to Janet, yeah, who's joining us as uh, joining us as a co-host. So welcome, Janet.
4: Thank you so much. I'm I'm so thrilled to be here and absolutely honoured to be invited to be a co-host this season. Um, yeah, I'm. Blown away by it. Um, I am coming to you from the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, and I cannot tell you how grateful I am to be here. As you can tell from my accent, I'm originally from the UK, but absolutely adoring every second I spend in Canada here, Turtle Island. as Tina said, I am an executive coach, a leadership development uh, specialist, um, and I love nothing more than to help leaders lead from their souls, lead from their hearts, and and really just raise everybody else around them up. And I think that's what relational um, leadership is all about. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm going to pass you on to Charlene.
5: Thanks, Janet. And and welcome as a co-host. It's pretty exciting. Um, Before I introduce our very special guest and a very special friend, I want to touch back on the intentionality of gather for her. Um, We very much decided as a braid um, to explore what it might look like to intentionally track uh, conversations with change makers and leaders over a pathway of nine years leading up to 2030. And what might that look and feel like if we um, just started to live and lead more intentionally into that space? And media has actually allowed us to not only witness the story unfolding, but actually hopefully to be able to go back and record the story unfolding, because I very much think that there's a documentary in here amongst all of this. So in season 10, um, I'm thrilled to kick it off um, as the founder of Powerhouse and now um, leading Regen Media. um, Just welcoming you from my home um, on the traditional ancestral and unceded territory of the Squamish people here on the Sunshine Coast. And what is in my heart this morning is um, an openness of leading in a new way. Uh, I will read Hillary Sampson's bio, and I'll finish with just a couple of um, personal thoughts before we kick off our conversation. So, excuse me as I read, but I'd, I'd like to get it right. Uh, so, after 20 years as a conventional operations and business planning professional for social ventures, mainly women-led and/or indi- indigenous-led organizations, Hillary has now expanded her work through transforming ventures to focus on operationalizing businesses so that they are in greater alignment with their soul and the sacred purpose of the organization or business so that means that Hillary works with clients to ensure that the values of the business like kindness courage equity and sovereignty are showing up in all of the processes procedures and systems throughout their work and their workplace. Through this work, as well as with continuing studies, Hillary is adding her voice to the conversation of reimagining capitalism to help create organizations that are regenerative, equitable, and are in right relationship with profit and sustainability. Ah, this is going to be such a good conversation. So what I'd love to add to that is I am one of those organizations that has had the pleasure of working with Hillary Sampson through Powerhouse and Regen uh, for the past few years. And I can absolutely tell you um, there is no more important work than this work at this time in history. And uh, Hillary, I think what I'm most excited about um, to welcome you is just um someone that notices your you're stretching into your next level of greatness and we're catching you in that stretch like in that next and uh so that's just where i'd love to open the conversation but so grateful to have you here and and welcome
0: Wow, thank you so much, Charlene, and so lovely to be here, Christina and Janet and Tina. Wow, my heart is full. I'm very excited. Um, I will take a moment to acknowledge that I am on the traditional ancestral and unceded territories of the Squamish, tsleil and Musqueam nations. And I very much uh, am continuing to understand what it means to be an uninvited guest on these lands. It's for sure a process, um, and uh, I am just so grateful to be here. Um, thank you so much.
2: Yeah, welcome, Hillary. I I love. Um... I just love that capitalism was just dropped into the space, the reimagining capital, like, I'm oh, just going to drop reimagining capitalism and carry on. I love oh, capitalism,
0: <laughs> as I like to say. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that
2: is wonderful. Why don't we start there? Because our, our first question uh, for you, and, and you know, this really does come back from another person in the house, Gail Stepanek-Kaber, who does purpose work and so our, our, we we we've been digging in a bit more into this purpose conversation and so I wonder if you might share with us you know what is what is the purpose of your work or why why does transforming ventures exist
0: Yeah it's the most important question right um so I have um just this fabulous background of corporate work, like I'm very grateful for this this rich background of consulting and corporate work. and I worked with nonprofits and corporations and the whole thing. And through a couple of incidents in my life, I just really leaned into how important um, the sacred teachings are, the ancient wisdom that we know and just really these immutable truths of nature that we know to be true. And what I not just observed but felt was that our businesses, the very architecture of how we run our businesses was out of alignment with that. And I think it's this out of alignmentness that is causing so many problems with us personally, with our relationship with the environment, Um, It shows up with disengagement, it shows up with stress, um, it shows up with the ever-increasing inequity between the haves and the have-nots, and on and on and on. And just my work in the world, I think we need all the voices in the conversation, but my work in the world is truly at that fundamental level, like what are the principles that we need to shift? Uh, in our businesses, in our work, and in a, in in what we call capitalism, the very you know underpinnings of of how this world works, um, and I believe that that is because, you know what I believe is that our businesses actually are really good. They they exist um, outside of ourselves, even if we're a solopreneur and they have their own soul entity, soul resonance, they have their own purpose, and they want to contribute to the highest good of everyone and everything. And that's there for us. As the stewards of this business, we can access that. Um, And we're not in many, 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 many situations. Um, Even, and even when there's the best intentions, right? Like I've worked with some incredible nonprofits and I've worked with some nonprofits that have this, you know, beautiful purpose, and they want so badly to do good in the world. Um, and then they treat their staff terribly, you know. Like there's just this dissonance, and they don't have the tools or the language or really that kind of like I talk about the fundamental architecture to know how to make sure their purpose is everywhere. Because if it's not everywhere in how you live your life and how you run your business and how you treat your customers and your staff, if it's not what I talk about, like the process of answering the phone, if all of your values aren't in those systems, your impact on you know what you wanna get done in the world, your impact is greatly reduced, so. That was a bit of a mouthful, but that's why I exist in the world. That's why Transforming Ventures exists in the world.
2: Wow, I really heard impact in that. Yeah, I see your mics off, Christina and Shar. Ooh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, so Hillary, I imagine that folks that come to work with you um, that there's different entry points. Can you? Um, can you maybe share some of the What are the entry points? Like what, what would draw somebody in? What is that? What's that? What's that entry point where it's like, Oh my gosh, I, I have to, I I have to work with Hillary. Like, and, and I have to, um, I, I see something needs to change.
0: That's kind of the entry point. You're, you're somebody who, um, knows that something is off and you want to do better. You want your business to do better. You want other businesses to do better. um, And you believe that that's possible, that there is, you know, another way. And I do have this very conventional background. So um, I try to bring it all in. and, And I do believe in incremental change. Uh, some people are burn it all down and build it back up, but um, that's not me. Uh, and that's not my work in the world. So it I often work with companies um, when they're growing and when you go through kind of a growth phase of your businesses or a change or you're adding a new product or service, you notice you notice the kind of crunchiness that's happening. And you can approach it in the same way you've always approached it before and just, you know, like try to wrench it all together and and look at profit only and increasing shareholder value. And and yet something in you is telling you there's a different way. There's a different way of making um, this work and this business grow. And that's where I can come in.
3: So you just got a, a follow-up question on that. It um... Is part of the work, like just kind of exploring what are the blind spots? So it can
0: be, yeah, and you know, I use conventional language, like I do systems audits. Mm. And so um, they they typically reveal where the challenges are. Um I often start with, as Charlene knows, I often start with projections because, I believe that language speaks through your numbers. And then we can see, where is this? This doesn't make sense. And where do you want to grow? And where does this want to go? And then once we've identified some areas that need or want or are asking to be improved, with my new work in the world, or I guess my better way of putting it is my expanded work in the world, instead of just, you know, I used to operationalize systems for efficiency and profit. And now what I do is we work together with what your values are, and we're optimizing for efficiency and profit because those are not bad things, and also how you want your values to show up. So is there kindness in your project management system? Is there equity in how you um, deal with your all your human resources issues? Uh, where are your values showing up and not showing up? And let's make some improvements uh, there. Does that answer your question a little bit better, Christina?
3: Yeah. No, that's that, that's great. I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I've want got another have... follow up question, but I'll toss it over to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I see systems thinker over there, Christina. She's like digging around in systems. That's why. <laughs> I want to pass actually to you, Janet, if um, if that's all right. Just because I know your work is very soul-based as well. And I imagine there's a great there's a great conversation to be had between you and Hillary.
4: Mm, you know, there's definitely a huge synergy between Hillary's work and the work that I do in the world. Um what struck me about um when Hillary was speaking was when she said values need to be everywhere. And that is like fundamentally true and I think that that is where a lot of companies are missing the mark there or their value system is really heavily placed in one direction missing all of the rest. So my question to Hillary would be how do you help companies to level out their value so it really does touch every single department in the in the company?
0: Well, I think it's first making sure, and you know this is why Powerhouse and Regen are so exciting to work with is first making sure that there is the actual desire to make the change <laughs> because that has to that has to exist throughout the company too um, and I work with people who actually are willing to make the change because it can be tricky and it can mean there needs to be some harder truths told and it can mean you know getting back to the whole concept of capitalism or I mean our businesses need to be profitable or they're not businesses but in terms of like shareholder value what are we willing to um, rebalance so it's a big decision you know you have to want it and you have to know that um, this is going to be um, worth it. I'm I'm uh, reading a just started a, a book by uh, Rebecca Henderson. She's a professor at Harvard, and sh- it's called Reimagining Capitalism for a World on Fire. And she says one of the things that struck me right at the beginning was um, I I've been through change and I've seen what's on the other side. So it's if you're just fearful, then It's not going to, you know, you're just going to keep sticky noting things or putting it just at the surface, right? You have to be like, no, these things are true. This is what I want. So that's the, that's a big answer to the first thing that we need to make sure. And then really it is um, getting the person I'm working with to tap into like, what, what is, what is the thing that they know is holding them back? Because they know, right? There's not, you don't need a consultant to come in and say, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. The first thing is to like listen and get them to trust that they are the stewards of the soul of this business and they know where the challenges are. And then it's, it can be quite tactical, right? Then we look at the processes and the systems and we, we improve them and, and everything does not have to change at once. Um, it's okay. To just do better each day—that's there's not—that's a good thing. So, um,
2: yeah. Awesome, thanks, Sharon. Before we move on to the next question, I just want to give you an opportunity. Is there something on this piece around purpose work that's alive for you?
5: Oh, I think just listening to the conversation so far, and this is where I wanted to—you know—I I knew Christina would get a giggle, but when I think about Hillary's work uh, in alignment. Um, I actually think about going to a chiropractor and um, like, you know, if you think about your values as your spine, you know, so many businesses try to fix, you know, their fingers or their foot or their knee, but really it has to come from realigning at the spine level. But what I think is so exciting about Hillary's work um, as someone who's experienced it is that it doesn't have to be an either or it's okay to have purpose, values, and efficiency and profit in the same sentence. And yeah, as someone that's worked in the social impact space for 20 years, that has been a conversation that's been a bit clunky. Um, you've been either put into the, the do good camp as a nonprofit or the scalability and profitability at all cost camp. And now in reimagining capitalism, it is how might we live and breathe our values through our business with congruency and alignment that takes the best care of us all. That's that's what comes through for me. So way to be a chiropractor.
0: I, I love that so much, Charlene. That's so great. And, and the concept I try to bring in around that, around holding, you know, um, and, and of course I've experienced the same thing as you, right? Like people who just keep like hitting up against this this flow of revenue, which is the flow of energy, right? So that they can do more of their work in the world. And, and it's like, who do you want to have the money and power in our society? Like, I look at the, you know, there's all these like shows coming out, like we crashed and 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 we've given all this uh, accolades and power and given all our like hard cash to these people who aren't necessarily great human beings. Like, don't we want all of our profit and money to go to people that will hold that in the best way for all of us? As I say that, I realize this is idealistic thinking and... That's what I want, that's what I want. I want the best people in the world to be the stewards of that energy system we call money and wealth and capital.
2: I just wanna pull through some really specific languaging pieces for, cause I, for, of course, you know, the, the five of us are all in on this conversation. So we're, al- we're already like, we're in the house, We're we're making the coffee. We're like, we've already reorganized our house to be around all these reimaginings, but there might be new people that are listening here. And there's two things that you said, like, Oh, that equals that. And you, what you said was that numbers are the language of business. So like that alone is a takeaway for us, for people listening. Like you might look at that, like, what is your business saying? What's it speaking? What, what is, yeah. What's, what's its speech. And then you said the flow of energy as the flow of revenue. So that as well is really simple. It's like, how is your revenue flowing? What is that saying about the energy of your business? Am I would I be getting that right, Hillary? Absolutely, yes. You know, that's. Um, I think that's fundamentally
0: um, what I believe is uh, everything's one thing like there's not other things. There's just one thing. And if it's true one place, it's true every place. Right. And, and the chiropractor is the perfect example, right. Cause that's actually what they're doing is they're allowing the, the electrical energetic charges that go to go properly and smoothly through your body. And that's true with money as the system too, and the revenue and, and, um, uh, Profitability, so that you can do more of your work and your business can be sustained over time. It's just another expression of flow of energy, and it gets you know blocked off, and and um, it sometimes needs some adjustment to allow that flow to to come through again. So that's perfect. Thank
2: you. There might be and the numbers,
0: or in the numbers are yeah that they're they're just a great little practical way of of showing. Um, how that that revenue is flowing you know oh my goodness all of a sudden i've my expenses compared to my revenue have gone up what's going on and is that a choice or is that just happening to me and and um and how do i balance that so it supports the business
2: and i think it's interesting too that we you know as someone who's kind of committed to letting the world know that the hero's journey isn't the only story journey out there um is that uh, even the way we're speaking about it, at least the way I'm thinking about it is that we, we're still looking at the flow of money like making more and that's great we want to make more for sure but we're if we're also looking at the language of our revenue or the flow of our revenue in in businesses that might be making astronomical profits would we also be looking at how is that how is that in relationship to the world like like hero's journey would say transformation, hit the, you know, hit the finish line, woo success. But in a circular journey, it's not necessarily about just astronomical revenue. I'm curious where you take us with, with that.
0: Well, I think what comes to mind with that conversation is extraction. So where is that, where is that revenue or more importantly for people who, you know, Steward the profit. Um, where is that coming from? And typically our, our businesses in our capitalistic systems have been incredibly extractive. You know, we we've um, uh, we know that um, businesses have extracted the value of a worker's uh more over time. So for every hour that a worker works, uh, the shareholders keep a higher percentage of that. Um You know, like extreme examples like, you know, McDonald's where you have in the United States where you have a very, very small number of people becoming extremely wealthy on the backs of um, people who are making minimum wage and have no health care and can't afford to pay their bills or feed their children that's not right profit that is not okay (laughs) and and we need to find a language to say um it's not okay to revere these people for doing that um and we're we're still we're still in that cycle of this hero entrepreneurship and unicorns and and I have this thing that I think to be true is humans are really bad at acting in their own best interests over time. We're good like kind of short term or we're pretty good midterm, but we're really bad about acting in our own best interest in the long term. This is why um we really need to start leaning into, you know, indigenous seven generational wisdom. Like that's the answer to that, right? And it just if if your whole wealth is come from extracting it and it's it's vi- like i say it like it's it's a violence right um i promise you there is no peace or joy or love or happiness in that in that endgame there might be a lot of fun there might be a lot of like great trips but there is no there's no peace and joy in that so unless this revenue, unless this profit flows, um,
2: it's it's going to get you in the end. I promise. Can you share with us one of your top relational leadership tips? And if you have a story to share, great. I don't know, but what 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 can you offer us here?
0: So when I think of relational leadership, I go back to um, you know sacred principles and wisdom. Um. So whether you're talking about, you know, non-dualistic spirituality or whether you're looking at nature, you know, the forest floor or quantum physics, um, the truth is we're all completely interconnected. And I actually believe we're all one. We're all just one and that any... um, Harm I extend to you. I'm extending to myself. Any love I extend to you. I'm extending to myself. Um, and so, relational leadership is acknowledging that. Um, the story that comes to mind is actually uh, I kind of I kind of loved this situation because it does point to the kind of incrementalness that that can be in, um, in, uh, revealed here. So I was working with a very conventional business in the gas industry. Very, very conventional business. And we were chatting and he was telling me about his challenges. And and, um, I just said to him, I can really tell you love your customers. Like he was telling me stories of us customers. I'm like, I can really tell you love your customers. I want to work with you so that you can love your staff. Because he was having a ton of issues with his staff and and all these challenges and and I'm like we can you know that can be there and he he was a lovely human being he made lots of money and did good things with his money and 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 that was holding him back is is remembering that these frontline staff who might come and go, right? Like they might only be with them for a little while, as we know so often happens in in those kind of um, service industries. Every single one uh, is someone that you can have a sacred relationship. I study a course called the Text in Miracles. I'm sorry, I study a text text called the Course in Miracles, which many of you might know. And every relationship, every moment can be a sacred moment if you so choose. Um, saying hello to the bank teller or uh, just acknowledging your staff person or asking if they're what's going on if they're struggling at work. Um, these are these are sacred moments if you so choose. And it can be at any time with, with anyone. And to me, that's, rela- that's relational leadership, is the sacredness. You know, that's one of my pillars of transforming ventures is work is sacred. It is where we um, can see, you know, uh, learn who we are and where we need to grow. And through the world that's, you know, being revealed in front of us, it's like, where is my best work in the world? Where can I bring joy to someone else through this work to bring joy to myself? And this is not every minute. Like, <laughs> there's lots of crazy, cause um, you know, we're, we're human, we're fully human. And uh, there's um, a teacher that she has a word called anthropos and it means to be fully human and fully divine and that's the relationship is to the how she described it was when we're in our anger or our jealousy or our crazy or disengagement or whatever where can I show love and mercy where can there be a, a moment of mercy in that and that's that's the relation part of relational leadership and it doesn't have to be from the top to, like it can be you know we have these hierarchical structures um it can be between anyone at any time and as a leader fostering that and allowing for that and encouraging that is maybe the best thing you can do
4: i'd love to um ask because you mentioned hierarchical structures there do you believe that um that oneness that you know, I am that kind of teaching can exist in a hierarchical structure, or do the structures need to be flatter for this relation, relational leadership to truly um, be embodied into the company?
0: That's a great question and something I'm investigating You know, as I, um, uh, I'm i going back to school in January to do my uh, doctorate of business administration. I'm very, very excited. Um, but Here's how. So I'm 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 looking forward to looking more into that. But here's what I believe to be true right now: is that hierarchy is just a tool. It's it's a really great efficiency tool. And when you don't have hierarchy, it can take a long time to make a decision, right? But what the problem is is that people are using that tool to assign value to the human beings depending on where they are in the hierarchy. Um, the example I always use is it's like a hammer. You can use a hammer to knock in a nail or you can use a hammer to kill somebody. It's it's not the hammer's fault. And um, uh, y- yes, exactly. A tool is not a
3: power structure. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's, and I've seen flat organizations. Oh, first of all, there's all kinds of challenges with that. Like who gets to define that this organization is non-hierarchical? And although there's like, it's a mess anyway um and and I've seen uh, organizations that get nothing done, you know all those things that can happen, so I would be very excited if a new structure revealed itself that was both efficient and more acknowledging of our oneness. Uh, I don't know what that is right now, but we will uh we will um, keep that as a curiosity and a fascination, so so, you know, I'm not throwing out the hierarchy yet. Uh, I'm just trying to encourage and teach people that that means nothing about the value of the human beings um, in their position on that hierarchy.
3: Oh, wow. Thank you, Hillary, for that. Um, what, I, what I hear you saying when you're talking about, um, particularly about the, the, the hammer, it's it's actually storytelling, right? Um, it's how do we tell the story? What's the narrative? So what's the narrative around the numbers? What's the narrative around the organizational chart? What's the narrative around purpose? Um, and and it, it's what's the stories and the meaning that we make within our organization? Um, so I'm curious as to what you see the role of narrative shifting and what, I guess, what the leverage points are for shifting an organization's narrative to to, to do the work that you're talking about?
0: Um, What comes to mind uh, is that the narrative is created by everybody who is involved in that organization, including the customers and the suppliers and the staff and the the leader. And of course, you know, having a strong vision and a purpose and the leader holds what, what's um, some call the the source idea and that lives in them and they're stewards of that source idea. And it's very important job, right? So it's not that I don't believe that you should go through all your strategy and defining uh, um, your own leadership style, all those good things. But it's the acknowledgement uh, that everyone in who touches that organization is help is creating that story. Um, And I, I remember I read a definition of culture as culture work culture is the the stories that the people are telling uh, at the lunch table or, you know, around the water cooler. Um, that's your culture is how they're speaking of you. And, but it's more than that, just speaking of you because that's disconnected. It's, it's pulling everybody in to create the story together. It's recognizing that interconnectedness of us all uh, to, to co-create what, is here um, if I can take a small tangent um, <laughs> the, uh, um, I was doing some research uh, writing a um, proposal to be accepted to school and the the question I looked into was how interconnectedness can in businesses what kind of business models and governance models like uh, co-ops or you know shares of companies that kind of thing could support increasing inter- interconnectedness in the company, which could then support more sustainable, healthier companies. And I'm just touching briefly on this research, but what it already showed was that before you can have true interconnectedness, you have to have sovereignty. So every it's paradoxical, right? Which that always, if it's paradoxical, I'm like, oh, I'm on the right path. Um, and uh, <laughs> because if every person in that organization recognizes their power and their brilliance, even for like 5% more of the time, and then from that place of their, you know, highest self and highest good, then you connect with the other, the next person in the organization who's also operating from that higher self, from that state of sovereignty and power and responsibility. Uh, that's powerful. And, um, and I, when I say sovereignty, I do always like to acknowledge that um, the thing that systemic discrimination does is block our ability to access our sovereignty. So um, I'm speaking as a person of privilege who has relatively um, easy access to their sovereignty. And I feel it like moments a day or moments a week, right? So so when you have that kind of systemic discrimination, it can be really difficult. So. And that's, um, yeah, but that is, that is um, what even research is showing. And plus it feels right, right? Like once, you know, we can feel that in our bodies when we are in our higher self and then we're connecting with people at that level, that's power in our businesses. Like that's rocket fuel.
2: Uh, wow. Uh, I just want to name the systemic discrimination piece. That you mentioned as a obstacle roadblock to uh, personal sovereignty, and uh, just want to name that in the system, and of course in the work that that we're talking about, a relational leadership. Um, my hope is that that will that by working relationally or even just thinking in a circle way that um, more gateways will be open mm-hmm. for that. So thank you for your for naming that. Um. Yeah. Thank you for naming that. You know, as an as a bridge organization of Indigenous and non Indigenous, um, I, I I often feel like like uh, uh, on a monthly basis of my blind spots, the blind spots that of course we don't know are blind spots until we get hit by them, and and that's one of them. You know, the systemic discrimination, not as a box checking awareness I see, but rather the lived experience of systemic discrimination and and that as a roadblock to sovereignty. So I just want to thank you for eliminating that. Um, we're in our, we're moving into our last sort of round and um, we want to move into resilience next because of course, as a changemaker, Hillary, you know again, we're we're a circle, we get you, we love you. we're like, that's why you're here. We're on the same conversation. but I know that you're out in the world as a change maker dealing with, oh my gosh, you don't get it now what? well, you know, I got the contract. I didn't get the contract because people are ready for it. People are not ready for it. Should I even be doing this? Oh my gosh, this is hard. All the things that come with being a change maker. And I, are wonder- you in my head, Tina? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I've discovered about change makers? We're kind of all in the same head. <laughs> right? right same monologue, right? We're, we're all one. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if you might share with us um, a resilience tip you as a change maker for because I know people are listening that like people who tune in together for her are here because they want to be part of that change and they and they want hands at their back so what do you got what can you share yeah this is
0: such a great question because I was born into the world super unresilient uh you know when I was a kid you could take me out with a look like for days like I was you could knock me down with a feather like and and um I particularly notice it because my daughter's got a ton of bounce; Like she feels things and then she's like, totally fine. I'm like, you are a miracle. Um, so I think a lot about resiliency as I've, you know, now I'm in my fifties and, and uh, working through it. And 100%, the biggest change for me is acknowledging and listening to my divine inner guidance, hundred percent. And it has been a practice, um, So I started with, um, what should I have for dinner? Or even before that, like I'm going for a walk. I'm at a crossroads of a walk. Which way should I go? Completely risk-free, right? Like there's no consequences to this. And you just practice it and practice it. And then you learn the yeses and nos, which are in your body. They're not in your mind. And then, wow, now you have this incredible power of a yes and a no, right? And so it just allows you to um, access this higher power to not be alone to know that you know hands at your back as you always say right like that is the hands at your back is this inner guidance and uh, that just made all the difference in the world to me um, in terms of um, not just being so in my head about decisions or when to do things it can even be like I, i even can get in my head around my perfectionism so i tend i sometimes don't um or sometimes procrastinate because of my perfectionism i don't want to finish it in case it's you know not perfect and so i'll wake up in the morning and go like i'm writing that section of the report today please help me and i pray all the time like constantly please help me write uh that section of the report today by the end of the day And it's the weirdest, almost creepy thing. Like all of a sudden I'll just be like opening up the computer and writing. It'll just flow out of me. And then I'm done. It's crazy. Um, And powerful. And I just know I'm not alone. You know, like I'm co-creating this. And then once, once I was able to really um, believe in that power and that um, uh, guidance, Then uh, you can bring in what I truly think is the most powerful thing in our work and workplaces and our lives, which is surrender. So when you really don't know what to do, like this, this is impossible. I don't know what to do. I can't think my way out of this. I I surrender, like over to you. (laughs) Sometimes a bit chippy about it. Uh, You want me to do this thing? Uh, Over to you, because I don't know how to do this. And um, luckily the universe is you know, kind and takes my cheeky, chippiness um, and it'll just unfold. Like it's, it's beautiful and it's crazy. And if we could access this power, um, like I say, even 5% more in our businesses and have that faith and have that knowledge and truth of how the world actually works, then the, the good that we're trying to do in the world um, you know, it's really, really on fire.
2: Wow. Thank you, Hillary. Um, we're moving into our last circle. And so I'm going to invite us all to um, actually first thing is take all, all of us listeners, all of us, just take a moment to breathe, to breathe. Just allow in what wants to settle in. Knowing that it doesn't all have to stay right now. What you need to be nourished by will be received by you. Yeah. There. Thank you. One of my dearest friends, Nicole Natras, whom you all know, always looks at me and goes, seven seconds, Overbury. Seven seconds. I'm like, seven seconds? She's like, every time you finish something, give yourself seven seconds of integration so that breath was a little bit for that. Um, let's do our wrap-up circle with what we're leaving with today and um, and we can take a bit more time. I want to give us time because to say what we need to say so it's not a quick one. give yourself what you need to say to close and uh, what are you leaving with today? and I'm gonna who wants to go first? Shar yeah Did I see a finger? yeah, yeah.
5: I'll jump in quick. Um, kind of integrates many of the pieces that I've experienced with Hillary, but also hopefully in a kind of a practical, like take home kind of way. Um, As a founder, I think every company is founded by someone, right? That is really the seat of the soul. (laughs) That's really where it comes from. And when Hillary said that source idea, I think that as founders, whether you're brand new or you're you're no longer, you know, running your business, like you were the founder of a business, and so I I think that the, the source idea is something that um, is like when Hillary was talking about that, it just it the light light came about for 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 me in that. And I know in the work of Powerhouse, one of the things that we do is actually to write, to give voice to a founder's story. Now, obviously, that story refines and expands, but to give voice to that source of light. And then from there, that light starts to get brighter as people understand that source. So for me personally, it was the braid. And then it was the fire dancers. And then it's folks that start to integrate with gather in the fire circles. But I think that, um, yeah, just from a practical point of view, understand your founder's story if you're a founder or ask about the founder's story if you're not, because that's the source of the whole thing in the, you know, at the first place, right? And, and that really is the, the underbelly of communications and branding. It really is it. So if you want a practical takeaway, that's what it is for me today.
4: Awesome, for me, oh, sorry, Christina, I just saw you. For me, it's it's the, um, my biggest takeaway is the fact that you need to be, like a whole company needs to be comprised of sovereign individuals. Individuals that shine in their own right in order for everybody else to be able to slot in like Tetris. Yeah, like I always use this. Everything needs to fall like Tetris. Everybody can slot together like a jigsaw puzzle. And when everybody is their unique jigsaw puzzle piece without having to shave bits off, then that's when the whole vision can really come into into view. Um, and the other piece that that obviously I absolutely adore is the intuition piece, the the trusting, the flow. Um, the other. The analogy that I um, often use is that of being in a rowboat, going down the stream. And you know that everything you want is at the bottom of the stream. Yet we as humans insist on picking up the oars and rowing in the opposite direction. (laughs) And it's when you just let go of the oars and allow yourself to just be floated, floated down with this, with this knowledge and trust and, like you say, surrender, that you are supported, completely, wholly, and unbelievably just held, that's when everything just starts falling into place, like Tetris.
3: (laughs) Oh, beautiful, Janet and Char, thank you. Um Hillary, as always, you were um, so many juicy things. But the mic drop moment for me was you talking about just like asking for divine guidance and actually starting in like in really simple ways and trusting that divine guidance. And it really connects back to sovereignty, which connects back to actually oneness because what is good for, is good for me is good for all like if i trust divine guidance that guidance then it's actually good for everybody because then we're we're all feeling connected and so um to me that just like that just that was the mic drop moment for me where it just all just landed and i just went oh yeah that's that's it i get it i get it so thank you beautiful beautiful
2: Mm, thanks, Christina and Janet and Char. Um, Hillary, you know, you always say something that I feel like you're saying right to me. And um, I know that that's because you work from a source place. You you work from that place. So you probably are talking to me. Um, and it was the reminder, like my mic drop moment, Christina, yeah, like, like my duh moment was like, oh my God, would you just pray more, Overbury? Would you just... You know, and I have I have so much stuff around the word pray because you know it means different things, different people, and it's locked into a narrative of what praying is, and you know, <clears throat> praying for me isn't this. <clears throat> it's usually writing or or literally just listening, listening to the wind and like being out in nature and and listening. And I don't even know what I'm hearing, but it doesn't matter. It's and uh so I just want to thank you for that reminder. Um and then the other piece, um as a whole is is i'm um, just thank you for your hope that to know that this conversation of reimagining capitalism is a living thing and not an intellectual exercise around the table isn't this interesting what if but actually is a living practice and that um you're modeling that in the awkward space of trying to sort that out <clears throat> and having all the conversations of that other when other people are in doubt like somebody's doing this and for that i'm deeply grateful the integration between like, I feel like as a bridge organization of indigenous and non-indigenous, you're like a bridge organization of practical and woo. (laughs) I'm being ridiculous, but I'm not right. Like it is, it's the bridge moment. And so I'm deeply grateful for that. Uh, And I'm going to pass to you and for the last words. Oh, thank you so
0: much. Um, Wow. What an honor to have those reflections back at me. Um, I just um, hold that with, Uh, Deep gratitude, thank you so much. Um, Part of transforming ventures and uh, my thinking and who I am comes from you all, you know, like you um, and Charlene as the holder of uh, the source ideas for Powerhouse and Regen have brought such beautiful things into the world. And the most beautiful thing is that you are able to integrate people like Tina and Christina and Janet and Sharon um, fully. Like you are wanting them to be their brightest selves and bring their best uh, to this, even if it means a little like, ur, ur. <laughs> so. Um, and each of you in your own uh, work because each of you are change makers and you have your own work uh, within and uh, outside of this space um, are such an inspiration to me. And um, yeah, I just thank you. You're part of who I am. And I thank you so much. These conversations are the most important thing in the world. They are what matters. And um, so I um, ho- hosting circles is not my work in the world. And I'm just so delighted that it is all of your work in the world and that I can come and play sometimes. I'm just so grateful. Thank you.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Hillary. And thank all of you for joining us here on Gather for Her, which is a powerhouse masterclass series unpacking what it means to be a relational leader in these unprecedented times of global change. Uh, we want you to know that this conversation has been recorded and it will be shared on our youtube channel and again as a podcast renamed as the how for her which you can find on spotify and all the other places that you listen gather for her is hosted by powerhouse where we walk beside leaders to amplify their change work as they walk their path of whole leadership guided by relational leadership practices and indigenous wisdom Many thanks to our impact producer and sister company, Regen Media, who reminds us that we can take the power of media into our own hands when we support stories that heal, regenerate, uplift and transform. And thank you to the hands at our back, Powerhouse and, Regen, and Regen's digital storytellers, Zoe Gray, Madeline Archibald and Willow Smith. And so much thanks to you, our, my co-hosts and Sisters in Change, the Braid of Powerhouse, Charlene, Christina, Sharon, and welcome, Janet, to our space. Uh, and to all of you, to our listeners, our community of change makers and leaders and social impactors, thank you for walking with us in co-creation of the world we're living into together. We're uh, You're always welcome here each week on Gather for Her and over in our community practice of The Leader Path. And so um, connect with us at powerhouse.com. And just so much love to all of you. Thank you. Thank you for being here.
1: As always, we are so grateful for your deep listening with us we want you to know that there is a community here that you may not know about yet we gather virtually every wednesday morning at 8 a.m pacific time for these live conversations and we call it gather for her this is the place where we begin to weave our individuality together to remove silos and place our hands at each other's backs for activated intentional action towards a world we all want for 2030 where we prepare for a better world when you're ready we're here. Find us at powerhouse.com and get social with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. If it feels right, you can support this inspired wisdom through Patreon at patreon.com slash powerhouse. Until next time, keep listening and know we're always here, ready to gather with you.